and making game picks for the week 15 games. Well, it is the season of overindulgence, and that, of course, applies to football as to all else because we've waved goodbye to the buys from weeks 15 to 18. It's 16 games, full schedule every weekend, and, of course, it's a particular delight to those of us NFL junkies in this time zone because we welcome back the Saturday games from this weekend forward. So a feast, a festive football to get ourselves uh, in stuck into. Uh, Buskers on the ball in Temple Bar in Dublin will be screening the Saturday and Sunday games this weekend. Among the fans in attendance will be the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast team. They'll be assembling for Giants at Saints on Sunday. So shout out to them and make sure to join the festive football fun at Buskers if you are in the vicinity. Well, the Week 15 action gets underway with Thursday night football. The Chargers travel to Allegiant Stadium to take on the Raiders. Raiders, even Brian and Shane Brennan have that game covered in our TNF podcast, which will be available from tomorrow morning. Brian Raiders laying three points at home for that one, uh, despite the absence of Justin Herbert. And the betting line is really just a field goal game. Yeah, I suppose it's kind of telling. Um, I looked at the odds today when we were recording the podcast, uh, and we, we had the Quinn bet odds up for the game. Um, Raiders slight favourites are four to six, uh, six to five charges, and obviously to spread as a minus three. Kind of it's reflective of where I guess both sides are. It's a it's a nothing game in many ways. Like what's what's the coming it's really looks like Brandon Sadie's gonna lose his job and I suppose for Antonio Pierce he's trying to solidify the opportunity to put himself in the sweep stakes come the end of the season. But um I guess and we're gonna see two different quarterbacks like I suppose Aiden O'Connor and we're gonna see Justin Herbert's uh, replacement for the time being so look there's a story on it too to come from the game but I think the odds on Queen Bear are very reflective of where both sides are, and it is genuinely one of those games that it's hard to call tomorrow night. But yeah, the podcast will be out yeah, tomorrow morning, myself and Shane, running through both teams and what our expectations are. And credit to Devante Adams, just on the cusp of a thousand yards. That guy can get a thousand yards anywhere, it seems, doesn't matter what's going on around him. Um, one of the great receivers in the league, and I'm sure someone who might be closely watched in the in the off season, depending on how things pan out for the Raiders as well. Well, our first segment of the game, Picks and Previews, is brought to you by RuPoint, demonstrating the value of global PR and comms. You can see how RuPoint can help your business at RuPoint.com. And just to note again that the first three games we're talking about here take place on Saturday rather than Sunday. That begins with the 6 o'clock game on Saturday night, where Cincinnati, uh, in Cincinnati, even where the Bengals host the Vikings column, um, both still in the, in the wild card hunt here. Nick Mullins now confirmed a starter for the Vikings. The Josh Dobbs experiment, for now at least, is at an end. And the Jake Browning experiment, very much continuing for Cincinnati. How do you see this one panning out? Yeah, I, I suppose, Connor, the the piece uh, on, on this one is the fact that I talked about a little bit on, on Tuesday. The Vikings rolled the dice to see, uh, you know, how uh, it might pan out for them. Um, ultimately it hasn't and it, it's quite something when uh, a team that is uh, you know in the, the playoff hunt is making a change at QB not because of injury uh, but purely on the basis of performance um, The ju- I see Justin Jefferson has said he's playing so that's going to help whoever is at, uh, at QB um, the, the, you have to be impressed by you know what the Bengals have been able to do in Burrow's absence and the other piece to me about it is they the coaching staff have done a really good job there right this offense was totally set up for Joe Burrow they played in a very particular way Jake Browning has come in and within the space of three weeks they have turned it they've altered it so that it's going to his strengths Uh, I really think that um, you know they they have um, they're 
the ability to probably spread the ball around. I think the O-line has done quite well. And now they're going up against um, Brian Flores. That will be a real test. I think that is the piece to look out for in this game. The Bengals O-line versus the uh, Vikings uh, defensive coordinator who likes to blitz more than anybody else. Uh, I think this will be a tight game. But at home, I'm going to go for the Bengals. Brian, one of the stingiest defences in the league, as Colin has pointed out, the Vikings. But at the same time, you're looking at a Vikings team that's managed a total of 13 points over the last two games. Not exactly lighting it up. Lawrence, that's a kind of guy on the, the betting trends. Looking at the over-under points on this game with Queen Mets, 39 points is the, is the expectation. That's the over-under. And bearing in mind, this Bengals offence, as Colin's rightly called out, have kind of reassigned the way of doing things and obviously to uh, Jake Browning's strengths have scored 34 points consecutively in two games in a row and yet the over-under is 39 so either they're expecting the Vikings defence to shut them down or they just have little faith in the Vikings offence to your point they're not really doing stuff I think we might see a little bit of a kickstart with Murray obviously came in and had some nice plays but towards the end of the game last week to get them over the line it wasn't anything too expansive but at the same time did what they had to do. I'm with Colin, I think, the Bengals right now. Zach Taylor and his coaching staff have yet again proven what a great combination they are, in particular the defensive side of things as well. Like, when we thought the season was written off, they go into Jacksonville, they win, this, they win the game, they beat the Colts last week, which was another big game. And there's a few other games this weekend that are going to really show us who's going to the playoffs on the AFC, AFC side. I think the Bengals, if they get this one over the line, would be really in the sweepstakes. So for me, it's a Bengals victory. Yeah, as you say, Brian, the Bengals locked in that group of seven and sixers in the AFC, a big logjam there. I think they'll be going to eight and six this weekend. I think at home they will have enough to, to get past the Vikings. I'm very interested to see what Brian Flores does and how he approaches um, trying to shut down Browning on this offense. But uh, I do think from what we've seen over the past couple of weeks and from the fact that unlike uh, we talked about Kansas City in the past few weeks, everyone who you expect to step up in the supporting cast in Cincinnati on both sides of the ball is stepping up, uh, particularly that uh, elite wide receiver core they have. Uh, and I think they'll take this one myself. The half-nine game column is Steelers at Colts. Um, Mitch Trubisky still in the in, in the hot seat, it seems, for Pittsburgh. Uh, Gardner Minshew, of course, in relief for the Colts, and that's worked out pretty well. Um, a team that's very much overreached themselves, playing a team that really has disappointed. Yeah, the interesting thing, I suppose, is with the Steelers is the feeling around the camp. Um, because uh, the the news are, uh, out of New England is obviously huge if if that comes to pass and, uh, you know, Bill uh, not giving anything away. But a lot of talk in the aftermath of that today around Tomlin and obviously huge, um, I suppose, support for Tomlin and everything he's done, but definitely a segment of the fan base there, uh, uh, you know, uh, amongst Steelers who think maybe it might be time for a change. Uh, Big Ben came out and said that he thinks that the culture uh, that the Steelers had built is, is gone. Um, you know, I saw uh, somebody uh, say that uh, that might have ended when Blake Bortles put 45 uh, on them in their home stadium. Um, but it, it just, it feels different this year than it has, I think. Not, not to sandbag you here, Colin, but did Tomlin ultimately waste the firing of Canada. Like he hung on there so long, like that could have actually bought him a bit more time had he done it at an earlier stage. You'd, you'd think. Um, 
I, I mean, the the but what what was the idea of bringing Canada back, Connor? Like it, you knew what Canada was. Like it, it it didn't make a whole lot of sense. This wasn't, I suppose, you know. And now, look, it can be difficult, right? That you want to be able to trust your assistants and it's not just a matter of going out and getting the best of them, right? We've seen how that worked in Carolina, the idea that you're going to bring in people with different philosophies. And we've also seen in New England how bringing back the guy that you're familiar with doesn't necessarily work. It's true. uh, But I would also point out that, you know, um, uh, that, you know, uh, Sean Payton has brought in uh, Joe Lombardi there. Uh, You know, Chargers fans would have uh, gladly... Uh, put him in a wicker man, I think, last year. But the thing is that he is working, like it's Sean Payton's system, right? He only needs to be able to trust Lombardi, um, you know, which he does because they've worked together previously. Tomlin, it's not his system. So he's needing somebody to create a system. And it's, um, so I, I think the Steelers are in a weird space. I don't believe the Rooneys will move on from Tom. I don't think it matters how noisy uh, the, the so certain sections of the fan base are. I don't think they, they will. Uh, the Colts, on, on the other hand, are uh, frisky. Um, but And if this was in Pittsburgh, I would say this is the absolute type of game that they love. Going up against Minshew, who is prone to mistakes, um and a, a, a you know a Colts team who I think are still finding their feet, um but I think that the Colts I'm gonna say they can do it. I think it probably might be a surprise. I don't I have no idea what way the uh, the markets are. I think it would it might be a surprise, but I'm gonna say that the feel good factor and a, uh, a Saturday afternoon game in the in Indianapolis lends itself to the Colts getting a victory. Yeah, I have to say, I've had the break of the ball with a lot of my picks this season, and I've had a pretty decent season pick-wise, but the Steelers, I just never seem to be able to get right. And part of this game, the narrative appeals to me that, you know, th- this is where Tomlin shows the metal. Anytime he's faced the doubters in the past, and last season, everybody was saying, the, the, the record of the winning record every season is under threat. He's never going to pull it out this year. And he did. Um, they, they've, they've won plenty of games against the head this year. And he's very much going to be looking to get a response from them, given what's happened over the past couple of weeks when they had games that everybody, themselves included, I'm sure, maybe that's part of the problem, had in the book as gimmies and had written down as, as Ws in the calendar. And uh, they, they really should be at nine wins now. But the fact that they're not tells you a lot about where the Steelers team is. They're just not very good. And like you, Colin, I think the home home uh, comforts in Indy will be enough to, uh, to, to to seal it for the Colts. You get good game, bad game from, from Gardner. I think he's due a good game this weekend, and that's what I expect to see. Brian? Well, first and foremost, um, Colin, the Colts are favourites. Favourites point two and a half point, which essentially means it's a field goal type of game. That's the expectation. Colts win by a field goal. Or more. Um, Colts defence. Pick six last weekend. Colts defence. Special teams blocked the previous week return for a touchdown. Cow's defense that I believe will feast. Butler is a bad man as well. He's playing playing himself into some pretty feisty man. He's a feisty man. A defense that I believe will have more than enough to manage this Steelers offense, which let's be fair, is just not efficient enough. They got back into the game last weekend, but I mean, did the Patriots ever really look like they were going to lose it in the second half? And we're talking about a Patriots team that had been one of the poorest teams of the season. They got out of a fast start. Mr. Bitsky looked like. The Mr. Trubisky that has struggled over the course of the last three or four years as to no why nobody really wanted to give him a proper opportunity. To be a starting quarterback in the league, it's a culture me, and I'm surprised these are even 
doubtful on this one. I know I can understand the nature of the Steelers are so Jekyll and Hyde and we select them to lose and they win, but not from me in this instance. I think we'll see a good reaction from the Colts. And they're very much in the mix and they have to win, I think, to feel a good fact, as Colin was alluded to at home. We'll certainly be telling in terms of the crowd noise and the crowd being into it. Colts for me. Colin, there's a lot of games this weekend that you think by week 15 you have a pretty good sense of where everybody is at, but I find there's a lot of games on the schedule and we, we, we'll come to more of them later on and this is one of them for me that I don't know whether to rely on the broader trend or to rely on the trend that we're seeing over the past couple of weeks and picking it because something tells me that this Lions team is not in a very good place right now given that they've just come off a loss someone to my own Bears and that would be a fairly telltale sign or a red flag to many franchises. But that's not the first sign of weakness we've seen in the Lions. We've, we've seen a lot of their flaws laid bare ever since, as you were saying, and the other night we, we saw them dismantled by the Ravens and they'd never really managed to put it back together again in the way it was before. Coming up against the Broncos team that, you know, five-game winning streak, streak ended. They go right back on the horse, no pun intended. A defense that's been creating a lot of turnovers. Javante Williams getting into the uh, into the end zone for the first time in nearly two years, I think, which is a good sign from a from a Broncos perspective. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go here and uh, and be brave and, and pick and uh, pick first. I I think Denver is gonna sneak this one at, in Detroit. I think if the Broncos do win this one, we are shooing. I think for the uh, playoffs, I think this is a really difficult difficult game. Um, for the Broncos in, in certain respects. I think it will be fascinating because for the Broncos' defense, it's a real test. I think the Lions probably have the best one-two on the ground punch, right? And the Broncos have to show that they can deal with that. That said, we all know, um, and it's not any sort of secret, that Jared Goff struggles with the blitz and uh, Bill Belichick you know put him in a blender in the Super Bowl and Vance Joseph is uh, second only to Brian Flores in his willingness um, to send guys and send different packages uh, now at, at the time it um, that we're live um, we don't know if Nick Benito is good to go I don't think he will be um, but um, I, I would still think Vance will send plenty. Um, so it should be a real interesting matchup. The other thing, uh, Connor, that um, probably people, uh, if you're not a Broncos and you may not have picked up on, Kareem Jackson had a meeting with the commissioner um, and he uh, came out of that to say he's being picked on, um, he's not doing anything wrong and he has no intention of changing the way in which he plays. Uh, so clearly that uh, went really well. And, you know, given Roger Goodell takes criticism notoriously well and that he, you know, holds all the power, I have no doubt that that's going to work absolutely fantastically for Kareem. Yeah, um, quite right, Colin, in fairness. Those wide receivers have been running into his helmet. If people are going to pick up concussions on the field after getting smacked by Kareem Jackson, that's their business. He's the real victim here. In, in Indeed, he's lost a million thus far uh, to the NFL. Um, it, it's interesting. Uh, JJ Watt does the thing usually now at weekends. They, where ironically, he, Colin, they weren't actually cheap shots. They were quite expensive for Kareem Jacks. In indeed, well, JJ does a piece where he kind of highlights some of the ways the fines that the NFL has issued and some of the ridiculous fines over the course of the season, where you're having to watch stuff, you know, three, four, five times to figure out what exactly. You know, was why was that even a penalty, let alone a fine? Um, the funny enough, Kareem Jackson is not featured on any of those actually, uh, which is an interesting one in and of itself. Um, I, I think this is, is a good test for both of these teams, but I'm going to back 
Um, the I'm going to back Sean Payton. Uh, it should be again. There, I mean, there's so many subplots. Him and Dan Campbell have a lot of history, obviously. But I think the Broncos can go in and get the victory against a Lions team that are wobbling. Brian, as Colin pointed out, you know, you can very much get to Jared Goff if you get to Jared Goff and, and things go d- downhill at a rate of knots in that scenario. Packers did it. Bears did it twice in recent weeks, although, you know, kind of succumbed to their own mistakes the first time around. And, and the, the Lions managed to pull out a victory from a very unlikely spot. Um, but we've seen a lot of turnovers from Goff. We've seen a lot of poor throws in recent weeks. And we saw that offense, including the two running backs that uh, the column mentioned, very much shackled um, in Chicago at the weekend. The Lions really need this one, but will they get it? And let's not forget the last home game in which they had against the Packers. They struggled for the highest price of that game to run the ball officially. Against the Packers, day, that's, you know, it's torn its fortunes around over the course of the last couple of weeks. Obviously not, not a Monday night, but... Um, Callum said if the, par- if, the, if the Broncos win this one, they're in a shoe-in for the playoffs. I wouldn't disagree with that. I, like, there's, I read some things this week, a former colleague on the show, in fact, um, Frankie from the States, who would help us out on these reaction shots. He put up on, on social media this week, in fact, that he believes the Broncos are new, the best team in the AFC, so never wins. Been a shoe-in for a wild card. He's suggesting they're, they're ahead of the Ravens and the Dolphins after what he saw from the Dolphins on Monday night. So there is a great momentum in the steam building up within Broncos fan base, and rightly so because of the nature of how they I had one concern I have for the Broncos in this game was that we never really got into it was against Texas a couple of weeks ago in the first half in particular they were exposed greatly in the secondary and there was a number of number of expansive plays by the Texans which were very fruitful and they got into scoring positions very early on and the, the, obviously the Broncos never got a chance to catch up and if Goff is on his game with the players they have they can do they can do that again I believe and but again it's mostly the biggest question is how Dan Campbell approaches this this week bearing in mind they're going to misfortunes the last week and the difficulties they've had. I'm going to go Lions. I'm not convinced. But I think, I think offensively they might get it right. It's certainly in terms of getting the back together and not turning the ball over as much. And if they can put up enough points, I'm not sure whether the Broncos offensively can live with that. So outside Lions, I'm not comfortable with it. I can see this game going either way. But if the Lions need it, if they do win, they pull off the clean sweep of the AFC West this year having beaten the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the, and the Chargers on the road. So I'll go Lions, but not not convinced 100%. All right, that brings us to Falcons at Panthers, the AFC South clash. Um, somebody has to win this accursed division, host a home playoff game and either fall flat in their faces or get completely filleted the following week. Um, and that might as well be the Falcons. Um, at least that's what we thought until last week when they had what looked like the NFC South championship game for them and they fell a little bit flat against the Buccaneers. That was despite a pretty good performance from Desmond Ritter. Threw for 350 yards or there, thereabouts. Ran for another score. Also, of course, this being Desmond Ritter, threw one of the worst interceptions you're ever likely to see, which only managed not to be a pick six because the defender fell over before he got to the end zone. Turned out he was down by contact and the Bucs had to punch it in on the on the next play. Just did not see the, the cornerback when he threw that ball, which concerns you greatly when, when you look at Ritter, who can turn it on at times. And, and he did do that over the weekend, but they were outbattled by the Bucks, which is not something that you expected to say going into that game. They're on the road against the Panthers, who we last saw drop a 28-6. Another tough defeat against the, the Saints, who didn't have to do anything particularly spectacular to beat them, and I expect this one very much to follow that formula this weekend, albeit that it's in Carolina, and I think the Falcons have more than enough to, to go in there and do what pretty much every other team has done this season, bar that one uh, lone win for the Panthers. I don't think, think they're going to be doubling their 
their win total. And I don't think that number one pick that's heading to Chicago anyway is uh, it's going to be in any jeopardy. I've got Falcons doing the business in this one, Brian. Uh, Panthers for me. I think they turned the Falcons over. They turned them over last year um, when no one expected it on a Thursday night game. And um, I think that some stages they're going to get a second win. It's just a case of when. Um, I, they should have got it maybe two weeks ago against the Bucks. Held the Saints for a long time last week. Panthers. Colin? I'm going to go Falcons. All right, our final game of the first segment is Jets at Dolphins. Brian, we last saw the Dolphins on uh, Monday night dropping um, a horrendous loss where the Titans gave them three touchdowns and they still found a way to lose. Tyreek Hill got banged up, which is not what any Dolphins fan wanted to see because the Dolphins ex-Tyreek are not the same team. And Waddle got banged up quite early in the game. I think it was one to, to his first throws in the game, which he went for kind of a, one of those beautiful lateral moves where Waddle comes across and he got absolutely smashed by two presents. He never looked right for the rest of the game. And usually when Tyreek is not his best or else he's out of game, you can still rely on Waddle, but he was obviously struggling as well. We spoke during the week kind of about this MVP race. Now people suggest, well, that's Tyreek out of picture now because he didn't play the game. And if anything, maybe he should be more in the race because it just goes, it shows to show goes to show how valuable he is to this team because they weren't the same. But they weren't the same on Monday night for large parts of the game. They were never right. And then they get the ball back to win the game. See, this is the problem we have. We, is the Jets of old or is the Jets we saw last week or is the Jets we saw in the second half? Because their defense over the course of the season has played quite well. But I think the Dolphins will react well to Monday's, with Monday, Monday's loss in the sense that they'll come back and they'll win. But um, it does kind of give you concerns about where they are in the playoffs and obviously what's ahead for them. But in this instance, I think they should have enough to beat the Jets. Column, is there light at the end of the tunnel for you in this whole Zach Wilson thing after last weekend, or is that merely the uh, the oncoming train interview, which in this sense would be the Dom, uh, the Devon Ashane train and the the the, the Tuatunga by Lower train that's coming to to run them over? The concern for the Dolphins is the pass rush just looked non-existent, and um, that that if if they had a full defense, you'd be saying I'd, I'd say they were they were you know, they should really take care of business. But I, I do have concerns. And as Brian has talked about, like, this to me is why, um, you know, JJ Watt is wrong. The quarterbacks are not always the most valuable. Like, Tyreek is the most valuable. Uh, it is in asinine to say otherwise. Like, Tua is not the same QB when Tyreek Hill is not on the, the field. Defenses don't worry about Tua the way they worry about Tyreek Hill. They face up completely differently. Um, I I think if Tyreek plays, the Dolphins win. If Tyreek doesn't play, I I believe the the Jets can and and, and will win based on off of their defense because the Dolphins' run game just hasn't really hit hit the heights that it did early in the the season, Connor. And they are banged up. And Mike McDaniel, I don't know does he trust them when they get down, you know, into the red zone in the run game as, as such. You know, he it seems to tighten up, and he doesn't seem to really believe that they can um, find the the gaps. Like they were good the other night outside of the red zone, right? They, they that was fine, but once they got in, um, you know, they didn't really have a run game. And um, you know, the look Tua is a very talented QB, but he I don't believe he's in the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen um, type where he can make magic happen in the red zone. 
right? Just find a play, find something open. And I think that is an issue. Um, if Tyreek plays, they should win this. But I, I think, you know, for a team that have really hit the heights at times, I don't know how many, like, will teams really, would you be would you be really more concerned going down to, to play the Dolphins or would you be more concerned going in to Baltimore to play the Ravens? Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Um, I don't know if you heard uh, Cam Newton throwing darts at Tua Tangvalo, among others today, saying he was just a game manager. I think that's very unfair. I think, to your point, he's a very talented quarterback, but he's not in that elite, elite class. And I think we saw plenty of that on Monday. Whatever about Tyreek Hill's case for MVP, which I actually think, to your point, Brian, was underlined by uh, how vitally he showed himself to be in that game, uh, pure through his absence as well as the contribution he made when his wife told him to get his ass back on the field. They'll want her down on the sidelines set for this one as well at Hard Rock Stadium to get him motivated. But um, the opportunity was there for Tua to win that game. It was one of those funny ones where everything goes wrong, but you still have a chance to win. And that's what the great quarterbacks do. They make the play. They make the throw when, when you need it, which he didn't do. Like It ended with a real whimper. Uh, and the way that Dolphins played in, in that spot. Now, I know that the O-line is a big concern. Teron Armstead is a massive loss, as you were saying. Column that the pass rush doesn't look the same with the with the injuries they've had there. At times you've seen you know Ivan Ginkel and others step up and, and make plays, uh, Jalen Ramsey or whoever, but that there just hasn't been enough of that. This goes back to a conversation we had during the Frankfurt game, where again I think it was you said a column they just didn't seem to show the stones to win it when it was there to be won. They went away from the run when it looked like that was what was working for them. And um, I don't know. It was, we were saying the other day, I, I, there's no way this Dolphins team wins playoff games on the road. Um, there's no way they go into Baltimore or they go into even Buffalo if it shakes out that way and win a game. I think they have to uh, they have to pull out games like this. If, if they're not beating the Jets, they might as well pack, pack up their suitcase and go home. And that's that's no disrespect to this Jets defense, which has done phenomenal things to even keep them at the point where they're, where they're still in the playoff mix right now. Zach, to give him um, some credit did put up a really good performance last week, was surprisingly clean. You know, he talked about, there was a locker room conversation with Reed. I think the, the, the cornerback who said that uh, Wilson said, what have I got to lose? What are they going to do? Bench me again? Like I'm going out there and I'm going to, I'm going to play for my life. And, and that, that's what he did. If he could do that again, this game is in more doubt than it should be, which is more a reflection on where the Dolphins are at, in my view, than where the Jets are at. But yeah. it's Miami for me. Yeah, AFC player of the week. Better. Sorry, you've got to cross AFC player of the week. Indeed. Just on this, just while uh, we're on the Dolphins, their injury report has literally just come out. Uh, Tyreek did not participate. Ankle, Tron Armstead, uh, Elliot, Rob Hunt, Mostert, Achan, Liam Eichsberg, Xavier Howard. Oh, Jesus. It's oh. broken my fantasy league and I'm backing out my pick now. Give me the Jets. Give me the Jets. <laughs> uh, is, is that for real? Is that... <laughs> We'll see. I'll reflect on it. That's, <laughs> that's the end of our first segment. The preview is brought to you by RuePoint, demonstrating the value of global PR and comms. You can see how RuePoint can help your business at RuePoint. 